Welcome to the Honors Podcast. My name is Mukundesi Batla. I'm a double major in physiology and neurobiology and Spanish. Uh, we are here today with Danielle Cross. Uh, she's a sophomore here. Um, and my co-host, Vinayak. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Vinayak Mishra. I'm a molecular and cell biology major in the Honors Program with a Spanish minor. And uh, Mukun will introduce our guest this week. So, uh, Danielle, uh, you are here today. Uh, you're an IDEA grant recipient, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Uh, could you talk to us about your IDEA project? Sure. So my IDEA project is kind of a melding of political science and psychology, which are my two majors. Um, I'm looking at political psychology, actually. And my whole focus is to look at the effects of representation um, on people's views of African-Americans. So specifically, I'm going to be looking at what does it mean to have a counter-stereotypical African-American character be introduced in a story? Um, in my case, it's going to be a movie proposal. Um, and what is the effect that that might have on people's perceptions of African-Americans and what they think about them? Um, and then secondarily, I want to kind of look at the effect of race bending or changing the race of a previously white character to a different race, usually a minority race, um, and what effect does that have on people's perceptions of African-Americans? Um, and this really kind of just stems from the idea um, of, you know, a lot of current movies have been trying to do this. Like, for example, The Little Mermaid, how they casted Halle Bailey, and there was a huge backlash. You know, people were saying, hashtag not my Ariel, and, you know, for various different reasons. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the major reasons that people say, you know, we should have more, um, you know, previously white characters being changed is because they um, say and believe that it would increase people's positive perceptions of African-Americans and increase the mobility of African-Americans in um, American society. And so I realized, I was like, there's not that many studies to kind of look at that, actually. And so I really wanted to take an empirical look on that claim um, and to see, you know, how we can all work towards a more equal and more um, kind of representative society. Uh, that's actually really amazing. Um, uh, we haven't actually had somebody on our podcast before that has kind of um, looked at, like has had a project that's like uh, kind of social and political. So I, mm -hmm. I find that really interesting how um, you're kind of uh, addressing like those issues in not just like society, but also like the film industry and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I guess my question would be, uh, what kind of drove you to look into this? And like, I guess, uh, what was like the like the point where you were like, oh, this is really what I want to investigate. And then like you went for the idea grant. Well, originally um, I had already kind of started out with research in my first semester. And I'd always kind of had this interest in terms of looking at um, kind of society and social views mm -hmm. um, and the relation that that has to race as well as the relation that that has to um, kind of people in their everyday life. And so this was something that was just kind of a personal interest to me. Right. Um, and then kind of moving into my freshman year when the idea information came out, um, you know, I do not advise this, but it was about 15 days before the deadline for idea. <laughs> and I still did not have an idea. Right. Um, and I was like, you know, I kind of have these general vague feelings of things that I might want to look into. But I said, you know, what's kind of a concrete project? Mm -hmm. And the funny part is that it actually came to me while I was folding clothes in my dorm room one day. <laughs> um, so what I do usually is I'll fold clothes, I'll put on music and, you know, I might be reading something. Right. Um, and I was reading a news article, actually, um, from my Google searches. It was about um, kind of the backlash that people in the comic book, comi com comic book community mm -hmm. um, were having against the idea of Michael B. Jordan, a very prominent African-American actor. Right. You know, you might know him from like Black Panther right. as well as other movies mm -hmm. um, that he 
they were looking for a new Superman um, because in the DC kind of movie realm, they were not able to um, keep Henry Cavill, who was, you know, previous Superman for previous movies. So they were looking for a new actor and somebody had suggested Michael B. Jordan. And there was actually a huge uproar with people saying, you know, Michael B. Jordan can't play Superman. Um, He's black and Mm -hmm. Superman is not black. And (laughs) there was a lot of people going back and forth um, to the merits of having someone who is black play a previously white character and the downfalls of that and what that would mean for the integrity of the story but also for the improvement of race relations and so i was like this is really interesting Mm -hmm. and one of the people who was arguing for it was saying um you know this is one way that we can help to improve relations between african americans and white individuals and just race relations in general and for me in my mind, I was thinking, well, this is a lot of backlash, um, <laughs> actually, and people are getting really mad. Right. Um, and so I was wondering, um, you know, is that claim true? Do, do, does this actually increase race relations or is this just making people on both sides even more mad? Um, and that's not to say that things that make people mad or uncomfortable don't improve um, these kind of relations. You know, mm-hmm. often they do. You know, no change is going to come without, you know, kind of pushing against the boundaries and pushing against what's comfortable. But I was really curious to see, um, you know, is the way in which they are pushing against the boundaries, is that effective? That, so. uh, that is really interesting. And I think it's also very relevant. Uh, obviously, there are all these news stories that are coming out in recent times, especially with uh, a, a lot of films that um, have moved from, cartoon versions to real action mm-hmm. I think there we, we've seen many examples of stories of uh, race bending and I, I actually wanted to uh, you to elaborate on this word race bending which mm-hmm. you have have mentioned how would you define it so race bending is the changing of um, kind of a character to a new race so basically it usually revolves around um, race bending too black from white um, is the phrase that they use. So it's changing the race of a previously white character to an African-American. Um, we can see examples of this like um, like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child when mm-hmm. that was becoming a Broadway play in England. They decided to cast Hermione Granger as a very famous African actress. Um, I believe her name was Noemi. Uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, so I'm going to avoid it. <laughs> but um, she, what, you know, she is a person of darker skin and they're, um, you know, Basically, people were saying, well, in the original, it was like this. Um, race bending kind of takes the view of either it's a retelling of a story. So um, something like Hamilton, maybe, you know, like obviously those characters in history were white. So it's changing the race for the reason of like a complete retelling of the story. Or sometimes it follows the trend of what they called um, race blind casting. And so it's the idea that certain roles don't need like the race is not important to the role being played. Right. Um, for example, if you're casting someone as just a general generic high school teacher, um, you know, most people would say, well, obviously the race doesn't matter. Anybody can be a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and in previous in American um, society and in movie history, it's um, a lot of roles went to whites that probably should have gone to blacks for mm-hmm. for, you know, just reasons. And it <laughs> It's kind of difficult for people to say, well, you know, we want to see these stories keep coming about, you know, stories that have been around. But we do want to, you know, acknowledge the change that is happening within society and increase representation within these stories. And so where my research really comes in is to say, well, do we just need more new African-American characters or do we want to change these characters that people already know to African-American um, and which one works better? Right. Um, and that kind of also... Uh I like how you got your idea kind of from this article that was um, 
pushing so much backlash on this new super Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like our media is also kind of representative of how our society is as a whole. And so I really like mm-hmm. how it stemmed off from there and um, how you're kind of focusing on kind of the movie industry and like people that are casted, uh, like mm-hmm. you said, for The Little Mermaid. Mermaid. Um, I guess what I want to ask you um, now is... Uh, like, what are your um, ideas of how you're going to explore this? So, yeah, like, mm-hmm. you want to explore, like, uh, whether um, this, like, actually works and it, whether it is actually bringing change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, what are your ways of gauging whether um, this, like, backlash or, like, this kind of thinking from society is actually going to change mm-hmm. due to this? Yeah, so that was actually um, probably the most difficult part in beginning my research um, just because... Um, you know, I had needed to go and do some background research to see what had already been done. So thankfully, um, research does exist generally on um, what the inclusion of new um, characters of different races do to people's perceptions of those races in a real life setting. And basically what they have done is kind of either use major faces and major actors who already exist. And they've um, in psychology, there are racism measures that already exist. And so my big goal was to kind of integrate these racism measures in a way that people wouldn't know that's what they were, because if people know that they're being measured on their racism levels, they're obviously not going to answer um, in the, the way, way that is. Exactly. Right. So um, so basically what I decided to do was because I didn't want too much deviation in what people thought about specific um, actors that already existed or specific movies and you know characters that they might have liked more than anyone else. I really wanted to be able to control for that. And so I decided to actually create a movie proposal. Um, I wrote up a basically um, a one chapter story and kind of um, proposed it to people as, you know, this is um, a graphic novel that is already in existence and we want to turn it into a movie and we want your feedback um, on the viability of this movie and whether or not you think it would actually be um, really good in American society. And so what I did was I made a movie. um, Well, I made a a one chapter. um, Like kind of like the script for it and stuff. Yeah. So I made kind of like a chapter excerpt. That was the word I was looking for. Um, An (laughs) excerpt from the book. And then I also got an illustrator to work with me and create pictures. And what I did was I made four different versions. So I made um, one with the pictures and the storytelling of a white superhero um, Mm -hmm. kind of story and um, showing them, you know, a white person cast in the role. Those pictures I just got from like Adobe stock photo. (laughs) And then that was actually a secondary part. I had to um, pilot the photos to make sure that they were relatively equivalent in terms of perceived age and attractiveness and that sort of thing, because that might affect people's liking for the characters. Um, And so that was a whole kind of first study that I did and then use that um, data here. The second one was, you know, a white character in the story, but then a black character being cast for that same role um, and them seeing those one right after the other. The other is a black character in the story um, and a black character being cast in the role and then a black character in the story and a white um, character being cast in the role. And basically I weaved in um, these racism measures into their feedback about the viability of the movie and their liking for the movie um, and kind of used some deception in masking it more as trying to understand their views of American society in order to see what kinds of people this movie might do well with. Um, and in so doing, I really want to look at whether the scores on the levels of um, racial prejudice vary between the two groups. Because if there is no variation, then that means these things aren't really having the kind of effect that um, is useful to, you know, to know about. Um, But what I'm really, what I hypothesize that we'll see is that 
there will be um, lower scores of racism in the um, both the black to black um, character and the black to white character because this is a counter stereotypical character. And right. by that, I mean it shows characteristics that are not usually viewed of African-Americans in everyday life, but mm -hmm. also in film, um, you know, like the character that I created, he's a self-made businessman, he's hardworking, he used to be a professor, so that shows kind of the intelligence um, side of it. Um, and he's the main character, which I think is really important too because a lot of representation efforts usually just kind of throw in a black character here and there um, as kind of a side character or that, you know, black best friend kind of stereotype. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I really think it's important to not only increase the amount of representation, but also the quality of representation. Um, and so I'm really interested in seeing, you know, whether there does exist this difference between people's perceptions based on just being exposed to um, a black character in a counter stereotypical role. Um, and what I'm hypothesizing, though, is that there will be a decreased effect when it goes from a white person who was cast initially to a black person. I mean, you know, a white person in the original story to a right. black person who has been cast just because there is that kind of sense of disquietude in people right. and also surprise that exists. And almost this sense, um, some research has been done to see it's almost a, a fear that exists um, in white America that, um, you know, minorities um, succeeding and coming up will take something away from away them, from them right. which is, um, you know, it's it's a genuine genuine fear that people have. And right. it's not something that. Um, I think the issue that some people do is they try to just dismiss it and say, oh, you shouldn't have that fear. Just be done with it. Right. That doesn't decrease the fear in people. It just kind of pushes it off the table. Mm -hmm. um, and what I'm interested in seeing is um, whether seeing this kind of setup does um, show that fear and then would show the backlash of that fear, which is actually increased prejudice as compared to just showing an African-American character in general. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of like the background to that. I think that that is really interesting that uh, you were able to use four models to um, to look at these results and ask yourself, is, would I see uh, a deviation in these results across these models? And uh, I, I think it's also uh, really intriguing how, how you were able to um, add these factors uh, of age, uh, attractiveness, uh, all these, these, th these are all uh, factors like coming to mind. Like I wouldn't instantly be self-aware right. of those. Mm -hmm. And I think that's um, a lot of this project, uh, wh what it does, it seems to uh, focus on those factors that we normally day to day, we do not, uh, we're never self-aware of all of these. Right. So I, I think that is really mm -hmm. interesting. And uh, that's, um, uh, that's a that's a really interesting idea to pursue for um, your project. Uh, I I do have a question. Uh, you 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 mentioned that uh, within your first uh, few months uh, of being a freshman, you already had this vague idea that you wanted mm -hmm. to uh, work on. And I just had a question. Uh, you 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 did end up uh, submitting this proposal. Uh, you, you received the grant. Uh, congrats Thank again. You. Uh, you uh, and this the idea grant is running this entire year. How has yeah, how, what what would you say um, feels different um, working on your project or crafting that idea before idea and now that you are a member of, of idea? Mm. Well, before idea, um, I think I had an idea of what my project would be and how much work it would take to do. Um, and before idea, thankfully, I was able to get started in a research lab in my first semester. And uh, my advisor through that lab was very instrumental in helping me create the um, initial 
kind of proposal. Um, but after idea, I think is it's almost that honeymoon period is over. Like you start <laughs> to see all the bumps and warps of words <laughs> of your project and being right. like, oh, maybe this won't work as well as I'm predicting that it would. You know, having actually started and worked on the project. Um, one, I realized that everything takes way more time than you think it's going to. Right. Um, and secondly, I realized that um, the scope of my project had to be um, kind of decreased. So the project that I proposed and the one that I'm doing now are still the same project, but um, definitely I'm more focused now in terms of what I'm using to be using to measure um, the outcomes of my project. And I think I've been able to like cut away all the secondary and tertiary questions, which would have been cool to answer, but in a more practical sense, um, would have taken a much larger project and more time more to time. answer. And of course, we're still all students here, you know, still trying <laughs> to, you know, get good grades and graduate and such. So um, I think working on the project after I got the grant has um, really been helpful in showing me, you know, how to realistically do research as opposed to like, thinking about it in general okay so. um i i know you talked about like those bumps in the road and mm -hmm. how how it went from like kind of like a project that you proposed to uh making it work now you have like a a, a plan of study for it i guess mm -hmm. and how to conduct this research um i guess what what did you kind of learn from these bumps in the road and how has that shaped you as like a student on Yukon campus or as a leader now mm. Well, I think it's made me very good in ad at adapting to change um, mm -hmm. because my original proposal, I actually wanted to do two studies and use information from the first study to inform the second. Um, and I realized that that just would not have been feasible given the amount of time and the amount of participants that it would have taken. Um, and so I had to kind of um, change the first study and stick with one. Um, and I think going through that process really taught me, A, that change doesn't have to be a bad thing, right. um, which I think is important for every leader to know because life is messy and life is unpredictable mm -hmm. and things will not always work out the yep. way you want it to and, um, unless you're some kind of like magical <laughs> Um But, you know, that really just has allowed me to be more open and comfortable with change and being able to roll with the punches too. You know, it's mm -hmm. not just being accepting towards change, but being able to actually thrive when change does occur. Um, and actually, because I um, limited my project to one study, I was really able to flesh out a lot more within that one study. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of using changing situations to your advantage um, is something that's really great. Um, right. And I, th I feel like I feel like yeah. once you uh, got rid of this other kind of like aspect to it, now you're focusing on one smaller project, which is like in the scope of things, it's more doable. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're also probably able to get to the nitty gritty um, of the project and able to focus on smaller factors, as you listed earlier, um, as like in your project. Um, I guess another thing is, uh, have you like I know you were talking about those uh, the four models that you had and like the projects that you were conducting. I was just wondering if. Like, are you still going to take, like, has this been, like, done yet? Or are you going to, like, still collect the data or have you collected it? Or anything else you can share about the project that um, kind of, that has taken place already? Sure. So at this point, um, the project has been completely created. And actually, last week, I ran a pilot study with um, with a class here at UConn. Um, I'm still currently sifting back through that data and, of mm -hmm. course, trying to analyze that data. Um, and then my hope is to finish doing that um, first, cleaning up the data, you know, kind of going through and seeing what are inconsistencies, where some people maybe just like clicking through and not really actually engaging with the material. Right. Um, so that's the first step. And hopefully within two weeks, my hope is right before Thanksgiving break, actually, to be able to release this to the actual participants. So what I'm doing is I'm partnering with um, Qualtrics, which a lot of students may know from just taking surveys, surveys. through classes. Um, and so I'm partnering 
working with them, they're actually going to find a representative sample of Americans um, across the U.S. Um, and wow. be able to send out the survey that way. So, um, and I have some particular criteria for what those participants have to be in terms of like age range. Um, you know, about obviously an adult, um, just because it's much easier to work with adults than children. Right. Um, and in sending it out across the U.S., um, I'll get a more representative sample in terms of. Um, you know, Americans in general um, right. and different age groups. And I'll be able to kind of analyze, like, maybe there's differences between, you know, people who are in our current generation or older adults. Maybe there's a differences between how men and women are kind of viewing mm -hmm. things. Um, and so this point where I am right now is really just trying to sift through that initial data, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe pick up on things that people had difficulty with in terms of the first survey, make the survey really good um, and then send it out and see what happens. <laughs> I think it's amazing that y y your research has really grown, um, and and now it's not to only a really large scale, it's really large scale, right. and it, it is actually uh, very very ap applicable and engaging to mm -hmm. other students, which you don't normally find um, for 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 any student that's normally involved in research. And I think that's amazing that you found an outlet that not only. Uh, it involves participants on campus, but now you also have an outlet for uh, a randomized population across the U.S., and that is really, really going to um, increase the accuracy of your results. And I, I think that's uh, that is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I uh, have have kind of a um, a last pondering thought, which is uh, idea. The idea grant has, um, of course, it, it's really pushed you to action. You've gotten a lot done, and it's really refined your research. But for incoming students, do you have any, any advice for, um, for students who have a vague idea that you had last mm -hmm. year? How, how should they get involved? How should they? Um, it, many of them do not even have uh, an advisor or mm -hmm. uh, a mentor. So how, how would you recommend that students, incoming students, or anyone that wants to uh, pursue some kind of grant or some kind of project, how should they refine their idea and actually make it um, an action plan? Sure. So I think the first step um, and the first thing I did was to before I even had an idea of who I wanted to work with as an advisor, um, I went to my honors advisor in my department. So if you have um, your department, they usually do have honors advisors. And I looked on um, the department's website. Ooh, sorry, For me, that's psychology um, and or political science. Um, and I really just looked to see what faculty was already out there, what their interests were, um, and seeing how that aligned with my interests. And that's something that anybody can do at any stage. It's just, you know, look up your faculty on the websites, kind of see who you might be interested in reaching out to. Um, the second thing I did was to talk to my honors advisor to kind of see, you know, who may have openings, who may be interested in um, working with an undergraduate, that sort of thing. Um, and he was very instrumental in um, pushing me towards the person I'm now working with. Um, the next thing I would, I always say just shoot your shot. Um, I just emailed my advisor, um, the, the person who I'm now working with. I didn't know if she had as much availability um, and she was actually on sabbatical at the time. So there was that added issue of trying to, you know, reach her in like Germany or um, those other places. And um, so I just kind of emailed her. Um, the the second thing I will say is don't be worried if they don't email you back. Um, right. She didn't initially, and I emailed again, um, and that's how we kind of got that conversation going. So don't be discouraged if, for example, somebody doesn't email you back. You know, they're professors. They're very busy. They might have just missed it. It's not like a slight against you. Um, and then after doing that, I was able to get started working in that lab, um, and that kind of exposed me to some more ideas of what that lab was doing and helped me to refine my own idea. Um, and then once you kind of had that, have that advisor, that person who's uh, more advanced in – 
the field that you're working in, use them, um, really use them as a resource and a sounding board because they probably have a lot of ideas on the things that you're interested in as well. Um, and that was really integral for me to figure that out. Um, and then the next thing I would say is there's actually um, the Idea Grant Advisor on campus. If it's more technical things, maybe not about your the idea that you're working with, but kind of you don't really know how to get funding and that sort of thing. Um, you know, look up idea grant, look up different research grants on campus. There is a lot of money that abounds to help people, um, you know, get through these ideas. Go talk with those advisors if you have um, those interests. There's also um, kind of uh, what do you call it? information sessions that a lot of these grants will run, like actually go to those. Right. I remember I went to one and I was like, oh, okay, so this is how this would actually work. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think if you think that your project is a little too much for a single individual. A lot of these grants do allow you to work in partners or peers. So definitely like get a friend involved. Maybe you guys are thinking of a similar idea and you can work together to make it a reality. Um, so I think it's really just um, believing one that it's possible because um, you know I didn't think I'd be sitting here saying that um, you know I got a research grant, um, but also secondarily um, just go for it. You know you don't know if you'll get it, but you know most you can do is try. That those are uh, really wise words uh, coming from you, and I, I think that they're very apl applicable. And a lot of uh, incoming students or students who want want to take that step and become involved, it is not uh, it's not as tough as uh, of a step as you would think. So I, I wanted to thank you again for coming in, for sharing your story, right. and, and we I'm wish you the best of luck in your project. Thank you. Yep. Yes, please, please come back and let us know about the progress of your project. Uh, but it's really amazing work, right. and. Um, we really appreciate you coming in and sharing. So thank, thank you. you again, uh, Danielle Cross, uh, and we'll be back next week with a new story. Thank you.